This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We were just saying in our little intro, when we started this thing two years ago, we never could have guessed we'd be talking to a former CIA spy who is now the author of a legitimate novel. <laughs> wow. Well, good. And well, it is yeah, legitimate. I, um, I can feel it. I admit, I, I've been doing so many interviews. I didn't have time to like look you guys up. That's probably a good thing. Like five seconds before. And I was like, <laughs> what am I about to do? Like, <laughs> who am I about to talk to? And I'm like, you know what? If I can talk to terrorists, I could probably talk to these guys. I, oh, I bet that is a clip there. right there. I, bet I love it's it. Probably not that bad. I could probably handle it. It'll be fine. We could we could do legit inter- interviews too. We're good. We we got this. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> not it's not just only fans. It's not. No, okay, no. Okay. I mean, for the most part, but no. We got, right, 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 right. Were we compared to terrorists? Is that? We're better than, or easier we're be- to talk. Easier than, okay. All right, just making sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty even, pretty yeah. much. Welcome, fellow lushes. Come on in, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy some cocktails with dimples and the beard. Hey, fellow lushes! Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails with Dimples and the Beard another one another beautiful lady we don't stop a fucking former cia spy turned author on on our podcast can you imagine what kind of research she did on us for yeah right she's not a very good cia agent <laughs> just kidding Brittany <laughs> butler <laughs> no she's coming on as we're gonna pound on our door she'll be like guys fyi wanted this on camera answer the door now they're what? gonna knock it down arrest us for it I just ate know. an edible i don't I know i mean it's not legal here but it's a still you'll find something <laughs> yeah who would have thought two years ago when we started this thing that we would be interviewing a former cia spy who has written Ooh. a legitimate novel spy now skim out check it out but jesus christ we'll get into, we'll get into inspiration and all that stuff for that I... but in the meantime before you do that please like subscribe add a comment that's what we appreciate. That do, that does a lot for us. What should they call us this time? Asshats. All right, I like asshats. Whatever you want. Red Foreman in the house. How about it's stupid spies? We're interviewing syndicate Wait, spies. What's the, we can be a stupid spies. What's the Chevy Chase? What's the Fletch? No, 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 no. Uh, what was it? It has spy in the title. Spies like us. Spies like us. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we would be spies like Who's, us. Who co-stars in spies like us? Say it again. Who co-stars? Is it Chevy Chase? Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Okay. All right. Which one of us is Chase and which one is Aykroyd? I'm Chase because he's meaner in real life. So <laughs> he's an asshole. Right. In real life. Yeah, I would definitely be Chevy Chase. 
So, yes. I assume Dan Aykroyd's got to be a nice guy in real life, isn't he? Yeah. He's got to be. He yeah. seems like the jolliest of jolly guys. He does seem like just a good dude. Yeah. We should have him on. We could talk about his vodka we that we drank that one time. That he's we, the he's the skull it. Vodka, right? Yeah, it is. It's one of the greatest vodkas ever tasted, Dan Eric, right? All right. I still got the I still got the skull sitting in my house. I, my daughter had a had a play date the other the other day, and, and the girl <laughs> that came over is like, What is that? She's like, Yeah, my dad's a little weird. <laughs> the other day, okay. And the other day, I'm listening to her. She's talking to one of her friends on the phone. And she's like, oh, she's telling it. her friend, she's like, Yeah, my dad has a podcast. And then in her next breath, she's like, it's not like he's famous or anything. (laughs) (sighs) So to be fair, I've heard stories of we're not famous. You know, uh, have you been recognized yet by a stranger? Oh, yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Any chance? I haven't yet. I assume someday somebody will be like, oh, you're that guy. Absolutely. Did you see see our bar once in a while? Yeah. Mm -hmm. My strangers. That's cool. Yeah, complete changes. Cool. Um, I reached out to our 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 local our state hero um, when it comes to, I mean, when it comes to comedy and all things comedy. Good old Manitowoc Minute Charlie. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. I reached out to him, asked him if he would come on, and he said, obviously, he said he'll come on. So if you're hearing this, Charlie, you said you'd come on, or somebody in your somebody in your wheelhouse team team they, they agreed said you to come it. on but all right well let's come on let's go um again let's uh never leave a spy waiting a pretty spy beautiful spy we it's yeah. the same line every time just do your line never leave a pretty lady waiting thank you without further ado I'm trying to be classy for her former cia spy, one time can we be classy once author of the syndicate spy once Brittany butler Guess what? Hello. Hi. Well, hello. We How's are very, we're very good. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. We were just saying in our little intro, when we started this thing two years ago, we never could have guessed we'd be talking to a former CIA spy who is now the <laughs> author of a legitimate novel. <laughs> wow. Well, good. And well, it yeah, is legitimate. I, um... I can feel it. I admit, I, I've been doing so many interviews. I didn't have time to like look you guys up. That's probably a good thing. Like five seconds before. And I was like, <laughs> what am I about to do? Like, what, who am I about to talk to? And I'm like, you know what? If I can talk to terrorists, I could probably talk to these guys. I, oh, I bet that is a clip thing. right there. <laughs> I bet I love it's it. probably not that bad. I could probably handle it. It'll be fine. We could we could do legit inter- interviews too. We're good. We we got this. Okay, good, 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 good. Not it's not just only fans. It's not. No, okay, no. Okay. I mean, for the most part, but no. Right, 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 right. Were we compared okay. to terrorists? Is that we're better than or easier we're be- to talk we're easier to than? Okay, all right. Just making sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty even. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how you feel at the end. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll, <laughs> how about I'll that? give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm coming in to this with an open mind. I left my kids' um, baseball game early and poured oh. myself a glass of wine to get ready. Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. There you go. We can be CIA a CIA agents too. Oh my gosh, I love it. Good. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you. to you. Thank you for joining yeah. us, Brittany Butler. We really, yeah. really appreciate it. Um, welcome to Thanks the interrogation. <laughs> Let's do it. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm I, out of practice. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I read like a, the last 130 pages yesterday. I couldn't put it down. 
Wait, what? You you skipped all the way to the end? No, 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 no. Oh, you oh. did. I was to okay. page like one seventy coming into okay, okay. yesterday. Good. I read the last hundred thirty because the action really picks up, it and does, yeah. it is you can't put it down. It's nonstop. Yeah. So, Good. Yay! I'm so glad that you felt that way. Yes, absolutely. And I, it it appears that we can't really talk about the last hundred fifty no. pages. No. That's going to be the. No, yeah, it's a little twisty, right? You're it's like, oh, like there's a couple of surprises there. So. There's a couple, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. When I was reading the the jacket, the book jacket, yeah. and it said something about a betrayal. Of course, as you read a book, you're yeah. always kind of like, who is it? Who is it? Mm-hmm. I was completely floored by Good. what ended up happening. So that's what I want. It that's was a great twist. Yes. Good. I um I'll I'm gonna share a secret with you. Thank I you. I did not write the ending until couple weeks before it went to press because I just could not get the right ending. I just like had such a hard time. It's hard when you're writing a book that's like in a series because, you know, you want to like wrap things up, but then also live, leave people on a cliffhanger. And, um, and yeah, I just like came up with this like pretty recently. So, wow, that's, that's cool to know. Yeah. So even I didn't see it coming. (laughs) Wow. Even better. All right. So when, when you're in that dilemma, what do you have mm-hmm. to turn to, to, to help you with that? Editors, really good yeah. editors. Yeah. yeah just kind of like floating ideas back and forth and like, Hey, what about this? What about that? And, um, yeah, that was one of the ideas I had. And she was like, Oh, I love it. Do it. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. so under the crunch time. So do you work better under pressure? Yes, definitely. Well, that's, that's what I very said. Similar too. to my old job, right? It's like, well, if I have, if I have too much time on my hands, I'm like, what, what do I do? Like, I don't know even where to start, but if it's like, and now my current pressure is I got to pick up the kids from school. So I have to wrap up my writing, but somehow like the writing gets better. Cause I like get serious. I stop fucking around yeah. and I like, you know, zone in I So love it. It's the same thing at work. Yeah. And I, I totally, like, somebody standing over me as I'm like yeah. trying to do stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lot better. I totally understand it because that's why, you know, this was like one of the first ones that I felt like I had homework to do before the, before oh, we did. Yeah. And that's what, like, I am better under pressure as well. So I yeah. put it off and put it off and put it off. And I was finally, yeah. I got to read this. I got to finish reading this book. Need to finish. So, yeah. read the book. Well, I love that you read the book there. I've definitely done interviews where they haven't had a chance to read the book yet. Yeah. And oh. It's like, it's harder to do those. Then they just want to know about CIA, you know? Right. Right. But, um, which well, is we want to know all you know? of it. Yeah, I'm, we're gonna tap in the book. I'm happy to talk about all of it, but it's nice to be able to talk about the book too, since that's why I'm doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I, got, I, mean, I got the finish uh, Friday night. Yeah, and and thank oh, you good. to you, you and your your team for sending us an advanced copy so we could get oh, into yeah. it. That, that was yeah, started. absolutely. Yeah, I really my publicist is great. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, let's start at the beginning. How did you yeah. how did you end up in the CIA? Oh, you know where where did that come from? Yeah. So I did an internship at the American embassy in Paris in 2004 and, um, was involved in some passport fraud cases. So I worked in the consulate section and, you know, part of that job there is to basically like run what we call name traces. So like you're doing research on whoever's trying to get into the country, people who apply for visas or passports or whatever. And again, this is 2004. So it's like pretty soon after nine 11, so we're really sensitive about, you know, no guys with terrorist affiliations and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And I had some knowledge of um, Arabic naming conventions. And I 
identified somebody who had terrorist connections that they would not have identified otherwise. And so they flagged that to like basically the seniors at the State Department and then the CIA guys that are working undercover at the embassy got wind of it. And they came and approached me and they're like, hey, have you ever thought about applying to the CIA? And um, I was like, no, absolutely not. I haven't. And they're like, we think you should do it. So I did. And I got recruited out of college to be a case officer, which is basically like the person who, you know, like handles the spies overseas and got trained up and everything. But I decided in the end that I wanted to do kind of like a hybrid position where I was more like TDYing, you know, temporary duty assignments, like for short-term operations, not like long stints, like two years at a time. Okay. Um, and I picked that too, because I really loved counterterrorism operations where like we were focused in Afghanistan and Pakistan and Iraq. And like, those are real shitholes, right? <laughs> so I didn't want to go there for a long time. So <laughs> I, reason, could, yeah. I could go and I could go for like a couple weeks at a time and I could handle that. But um, you know, I thought, you know, I probably be a little too much to, to do the, the PCS tour, the, the two-year tour. Sure. So, sure, um, see. so yeah, so I loved my job as a targeting officer, basically like, you know, leading operations from Langley, but then like TDYing to the field and like supporting those operations in person. Um, so, so CIA was not in your radar when you were younger at all. No, like. not at all. Not at all. I wanted to be a foreign service officer, which is why. Okay. I applied to this internship at the U.S. State Department. I thought that would be like a really cool gig. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I got wrapped up. But there's a lot of like overlap between state and CIA in the sense that CIA officers use State Department. And this is a well-known fact as their cover for a lot of things. And so, okay. um, you know, when you're doing operations abroad, like you need to have some kind of like cover story. So because you can't just like be like, I'm a CIA, you know, Um <laughs> And so there, I knew how State Department worked. I knew, you know, how the consulate section worked. So I could talk to that. You know, if people ask me questions about, well, you know, what do you exactly do you do at the embassy? Like I could really bullshit it because I had done the job before. Yeah, yeah. So, so go ahead. In your job with the passports coming in, did you yeah. look at passports going out as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. So the, the people oh. who went to the embassy to basically apply for a visa to get into the country or apply for a passport, like a U.S. passport, but they've been living in France for a long time. That, like I would do name traces on those guys, but that was the State Department gig. That wasn't the CIA gig. That was like way early in my career. I guess guess I get that. I'm just saying about like uh, Americans trying to go out that some triggered something. Did Did anybody watch those guys going out that maybe they had some connections? Oh, um, Americans coming from France. So this was in France. So Americans coming from France. We'll leave in the USA to go out and try to catch them the opposite way. I don't know. No, no. You know, so CIA is like pretty specific in their mission and that we all we're focused internationally. So we're only focused on foreigners. Really. I mean, like we don't target U.S. people. We don't. Sure. Hmm. Like it just if, if if there's some kind of U.S. nexus or connection, FBI takes over. Okay. So if there's okay. some guy who has a terrorist affiliation, right, send that to FBI and they handle it gotcha. because I don't have the authorities. All my authorities are overseas. Gotcha. Okay. So what's it what's it yeah. like being a a female in a pretty male dominated world like the CIA? 
Do you, yeah. do you deal with a, I mean, were you kind of embraced right away or do you have to earn your, you, you gotta know? really prove yourself. Yeah. I mean, you really do. I mean, especially like when I would go out, um, you know, TDY, like go to the war zones and stuff. Um, I had to really prove myself to both my colleagues and to whatever detainee or source where I'm debriefing. Right. So like these guys, you know, I walk in the room with like blonde hair and green eyes and they're like, what the hell's going on here? You know, they've never even met an American woman before. Right. And their perspective of female intelligence officers is what they see on TV and movies. Right. So they, they're used to somebody like fishnet stockings and a low cut shirt. And are you here to have sex with me basically? And it's like, no dude, I'm here to like get information from you. Yeah. And, um, if you, you know, and you, you have to really establish your authority pretty quick in those situations, especially also in a culture where they don't see women as their equal. Right. Right. Yeah. Like they wouldn't even like look me in the eye. So I had to work really hard to make sure that they understood that I was there. I, I meant business. I was the expert as a targeting officer. I was also an expert on the terrorist network. So wherever I was like deploying and supporting operations, I was an expert on the guy that we're approaching for a potential recruitment operation, but then also like what his access is to the terrorist network and how it functions and everything. And I often would kind of catch these guys off guard because I would know so much about them. <laughs> I mean, I would do, you know, I do my research and I would come prepared to the meeting. And so I'd come in there and I'd be like, Hey, I remember your, your mom used to call you when you're a little boy. And I know who your best friend was when you were seven and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Oh shit, you know, everything. So it's like, you're establishing yourself as I, you can't bullshit me. Yeah. I know what you know, and you're not leaving this room until you tell me, you know? And so, yeah, that was, that was difficult because I would, um, you know, I'd have to establish my authority. And sometimes my male colleagues would be like, she's just such a bitch. Like this woman is a bitch, but it's like, if I wasn't a bitch, they wouldn't listen to me. They wouldn't, you know, you have to be that way kind of to be taken seriously. And another thing too, like if, um, you know, whenever I deployed overseas, especially to the war zones, you know, people were fucking each other all the time. Right. So they're like, you know, the embassies, the bases, like you're away from your family, your spouse, whatever. And so there's all sorts of stuff going on. And, you know, I had to right away, you know, establish, like, I'm not here to do that. Like, I'm here to do a job. You, you know, I'm here to be taken seriously. And if, if you were the girl who TDY'd and started sleeping around with all the special forces guys, no one's going to take you seriously in any yeah. of your work. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, you, you definitely have to like overcome some of those, you know, both from your American colleagues, but then also, you know, the guys that were trying to recruit or trying to debrief and, and all yeah. that so it was tough but um it's funny how fast. it's funny how you as a female gets get uh characterized as a bitch but a, a guy who's acting the same way is just he's doing his job he's a hard ass he's doing the, you know right yeah i mean it, was the, it would be the same question so like i remember one operation i was in iraq and i was asking the same type of questions that my male colleague was and whenever and i got i got the best information back from this this detainee he told he basically spilled the beans and it was, you know, lauded as a successful operation. Well, when I got back to Langley, my bosses at the time were like, dude, you were way too aggressive with that detainee. And I'm like, what? I asked the same questions that the dude did. Like, right. you know, so that was really frustrating because, yeah, you're definitely, um, 
uh, yeah, you're looked at differently and you have to, you have to work a lot harder. I, I think. can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a counterpart I work with and everybody says when she would come in, she's a bitch. And I would always say, yeah, she's a bitch. But if it was a dude, right. they would just say, right. he's just good at his job. And right. they're like, oh yeah, you're right. And it's, yeah. and it's so true. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. Um, but you know, I worked with a lot of great guys too, that were like, you know, yes, ma'am, we're going to do it. Like they would, they had no problem listening. And it's interesting because I think the insecure guys were the ones that like want to put me in my place. The guys who didn't do well on assignment and like were stuck back at headquarters because frankly, they sucked at their job there. Those were the ones that were like intimidated by me. The, the special forces guys, the special activities division is, um, I don't know if you know a lot about it. If you read a lot of, um, you know, books and stuff, there's been a lot out UPL operation about special activities division, but basically they're like the guys on the ground. They're the ex they're the, the former special forces guys. They're going out on military raids. They're, they're running sources. So they're doing like real CIA operations, but like they are, um, you know, they're trained, they're trained to go into a house and Mm -hmm. drag somebody out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So those guys were the best to work with because they were confident. They didn't need to prove themselves to anybody. They didn't act like their shit didn't stink. I didn't have to feed their ego to get them to work with me. They just were like ready to go get bad guys. So, um, yeah, that was it. Yeah. It it just depended, you know, on who, on who I was like working with. Did you ever have to ask to be reassigned with someone that just could not get over that you're a woman? No, it was another woman that acted that way, honestly. <laughs> it was another woman that, um, yeah. Insecure. She, what's that? She must've been insecure. She was, mm. I was really young when I joined the CIA and, uh, she was an older lady like, fine, whatever. I'm older lady now, whatever. Um, but she was really like mean to the younger women that worked in the department and would kind of comment on our outfits a lot, like what we would wear. And we weren't wearing anything crazy, but we weren't dressing like, you know, in moo's like we were 95, <laughs> like we were young 20 year olds, like wearing pencil skirts and blouses and stuff. And she would make comments constantly, like trying to make us feel uncomfortable. And I remember like the first day I was on the job, she brought me into her office and she was like, I just don't understand what you're doing here. And I was like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And she was like, well, you didn't go to an Ivy league school. I'm like, yeah, but I went to college. Like I went to a good university and like got a good degree and I, you know, did really well. 
And she's like, well, you're just, you're not, you're not the caliber that they usually recruit. She was, she was obviously very threatened. Yeah. So I've come to find she didn't go to an Ivy league school. (laughs) So like, I was like, what is this? Yeah. He was just trying to throw me off my game. You know, it doesn't sound like you let her though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, you know, when you're young in any kind of job, you're, you feel a little bit like, especially something like CIA. And I still talk to people that are still there and they still can't believe they work there. You're, you're in this constant, like, am I, like, you have to pinch yourself. You're like, am I really working here? Am I really doing this? Are they really giving me this gun? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing all this stuff. So, um, I think, but I do also think that like humility goes a long way and, intelligence operations, you know, the minute you start to get too cocky or too sure of yourself, you miss things. Um, sure. You know, that's when accidents happen when sure. you feel like, you know, but if you're always like humble and you're like, I need to do my research here. I need to make sure everyone's safe. I need to that, you know, that's the people you want to work with. Yeah. You don't want to work. You don't want to work with like the guy who thinks he knows everything or the girl who thinks she knows everything. So to me, it seems like you move very fast within nine years. That seems like a short time to be within the CIA and get to where you were. Is that accurate or no? To get where I was. What do you mean? Like my position? Yeah. Just to get involved so quickly. seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't, there's not like a big ramp up that you, they throw you in right away. Mm. There's not like a sink you know, or swim. They don't. Yeah. They don't like, let's ease into this. Let's see how you do. It's like, let's throw you to the piranhas and, you'll be out of here. Like we'll eat you alive if you don't survive. And you know that during training, right? So like I went to training at the farm and of course, like people dropped out, people Mm -hmm. couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the stress of it, or they weren't good at it. And, um, so that's, you know, one way that they weeded people out, but no, I, they threw us right into counterterrorism, like right away. Um, and that's what they needed. They needed, I mean, this is right after 9-11. Like yeah, right, especially hired, at that time. That's true. Yeah, they the hired people to prevent the next 9-11. So, yeah. like, that's, we were all, and we're all, you know, super young, and that's what they want. They want someone who's young, that they can shape, that they can mold into what they want. So, like, me now as an almost 40-year-old woman, I'd be, like, questioning a lot of stuff, right? Because I have life experience. Mm-hmm. I've lived out there. I know, you know. But as a 23 year old, I was like, oh, sure. Like, send me in. Let's yeah. do it. All right. We're going, we're going to Baghdad. Like, cool. Let's go. Um, you know, you have no fear. You're kind of stupid in that sense. Cause you're yeah. just like, I, and then, then you, then you have children and then you get scared. You're like, I don't want to leave my kids. And like, things change. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think they, they like to get you when you're young and, you know, put you in dangerous assignments before you have kids. Or you could think about it, right? Right, yeah, and be like, I don't know if I want to do this. No, you just you're, you're already over there. <laughs> do I really want to do? This? I'm here. <laughs> How yeah, often? I'm here already. When it was like a very like normal thing, right? So like in my vault in Langley where I worked, like people were coming in and out all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to Kabul. I'm going mm-hmm. to I'm going to Baghdad today. I'm going. To... So like my my he was my fiance at the time, and he's my husband now. I would be like, okay, well, so. Tomorrow night, um, I'm going to hop on the air bridge. The air bridge was like our private plane to go to to Baghdad. They need me for some debriefings. And he was like, wait, hold on. Wait, where are you going? Like, what? 
I'm like, yeah, it's like not a big deal. Like I'll be back by the weekend. Like we can still go out clubbing and not a you know. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> and he's like, what? Uh, yeah. So, but in that world, it's just normal. It was yeah. just normal. It's just like what we did. And sure. we was it normal it. to be a short notice that you're leaving tomorrow or you're leaving tonight? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they would wrap up a dude or mm. we'd have an opportunity with the source and like, we gotta go we, now. Yeah. Yeah. We need you to go out and support this. Was there any place that you went that you're like, Ooh, I'm scared to go there or every place <laughs> like no, me. I mean, honestly, I was not scared a whole lot. I mean, so you have to remember during this time we controlled Iraq, we controlled mm-hmm. Afghanistan. So I'm going in there and I've got a hundred Americans around me, you know, sure. like, okay. and we're all armed and, you know, especially at, in, at CIA, like we had like bodyguards everywhere we went. So we had like full GRS details. So I was like, bring it. Like, we're good. I mean, we, we, we felt fine. Um, okay. It was, it was in the non-war zones, honestly. Like when I was in other Middle Eastern countries where we didn't have a strong military presence that I felt more uncomfortable, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's, yeah, I would think so. Do, your, uh, do you find situations where your morals are tested when you're, when you're in that field? Um, do do you ever feel like you had to cross the line when you're interrogating people or, or even in your home life, did you find yourself having to lie to your, to your fiance or or your husband, um, about what you were really doing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get so used to, in that line of work, talking around things to people who don't, you know, that aren't read in, right. Like they have security clearance. So Matt, my husband, like he just kind of knew not to pre- push me for information. Um, and, you know, living in D.C. too, I don't, where are you guys located? What city are you in? We're in Wisconsin. Okay, okay. Oh, near Green so, Bay. Okay, cool. Um, in D.C., like everybody does something like spooky, I feel like. Like <laughs> a lot of people, D, like they do DOD work or, you know, intelligence or FBI or whatever. And so... It's just like not as big of a deal, I feel like. And then once I left Washington, like it was amazing because people are like, oh my gosh, you worked at CIA. That's so cool. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. really? I I didn't think about it like that. There's a ton of people who work for CIA. Yeah, it's Um, it's DC. Everybody in DC has a secret, right? Oh yeah. Everybody, (laughs) when everybody has like a clearance and they just know not to push for information, whatever. I have a funny story actually. So when my husband and I were dating, um, we had this really morbid um, tradition at CIA where we would celebrate the, tw- it was called the 12 raids of Christmas. And we would celebrate Perfect. an operation that we were a part of, right? So let's say we got bad guy X. Well, we would, we were responsible for if they were our target, right? So I was a targeter. If that was my target and we got them that year, I had to do some kind of baked good to celebrate the fact that we nabbed him, right? So I had this sheet cake drawn, like, so I went to Harris Teeter. This guy was on, um, uh, oh my gosh, not only FBI's most wanted, but he was also um, Interpol's most wanted. So his picture was everywhere, uh, like unclassified. So I printed out a picture of him, took it to Harris Teeter and had them like scan it on a cake. And I put it in my refrigerator that night because the party was in the morning <laughs> and my husband like goes in the refrigerator to get some water in the middle of the night. And he's like, 
who is this fucking dude <laughs> on the cake? And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's a guy that we're, um, yeah. Anyway, so, but he just knew not to push me for information, but that was like kind of how he found out like yeah. what I did for a living. That's, that's um, a fine line. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't a pretty picture on the cake. <laughs> Well, it was just, it was an unclassified. So I right, didn't have right. like, I mean, <laughs> there was definitely some baked goods that showed some not pretty things with like red icing and stuff. Um, sure. Nice. But, but sorry, to, I digress. But to answer your question, yeah, it is really hard to look at these people in the face and say, you can trust, you can trust me. I'm going to take care of you if something happens. I mean, first of all, you're your primary job and running a source is to make sure they don't get caught, right? So you're constantly teaching them things to make sure they don't get nabbed. Sure. But sometimes it's just not, you can't prevent it. And it's very difficult to look at them and say, yeah, we'll protect you. We'll protect your family. Everything's going to be fine. And then something happens like the withdrawal from Afghanistan and we totally pull out and we leave all these poor mm-hmm guys and girls that have helped us just, you know, in horrible for themselves, yeah. so it, it's very hard. I mean, that was really hard. I, I know for myself, I know for a lot of people in the military, you know, that worked in Afghanistan to see what's happened to that country and to see a lot of the partnerships that we built, like we would have never been able to do what we did against Al Qaeda if the Afghans didn't work with us sure. to you know, take them down. And so it's, it's very heart wrenching. And I think that's why I'm so, so passionate about working within the Afghan refugee community here in South Carolina, because, you know, a lot of these people, like they risk their lives, you know, a lot of the women, like their husbands are still there. You know, some of them have been already been killed by the Taliban about to be killed by the Taliban and it's all for helping America. And we just like left. So it's just, that is a moral dilemma for sure. Yeah, for sure. How how do you, build that up again. That's going to take years if they ever right. needed to. Yeah. Right. Well, and then like, also it's like, how are we going to get them to work with us? Right. I mean, they're going to, they know we just left them high and dry. Yeah. It's, we don't, we don't seem very trustworthy anymore after, yeah, after that. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was the right decision to, to leave, but executed really poorly. And I right. think that maybe a, like leaving a, a stronger contingent there would have been smart. Sure. Sure. Um, but then you look at what's going on in the rest of the world and it's like, well, I don't know if we were like gearing up for World War Three. I don't know what's happening. <sighs> do you do you uh well there goes my next question? What's yeah, <laughs> yeah do you... what's the intel about? Yeah, yeah. Next... Do I do I need to start digging a bunker? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. What's funny is because when I first started working at CIA, all these old dudes that worked with me, they were like retirees that came back as contractors. And they would talk about the good old days of the Cold War and all the crazy shit they did. And I'd be like, listen, geezers, like that's the old wor- world. Like we're not in that anymore. Yeah. But now I'm like, God, I really wish I could pick their brain about what they think about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine yeah. and China and everything, because um, it's kind of coming full circle. Like now we're coming back to that kind of, you know. Well, tell me, I got, I got to ask you a question way off and tell me if I'm a complete yeah. idiot. Cause I listen to a lot of podcasts and I heard this yeah. on a podcast yeah. and I'm curious about your opinion on this. Can I, I answer if you're an idiot. Or I not? am an idiot, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I heard somebody talking about how Russia controls like three quarters of the world's fertilizer really? collection. 
and that there's the real the reality of a food shortage in the states is is a real thing that people should be concerned about wow yeah. that, that's news to me okay yeah. i didn't know that but you know here's the thing about cia you don't know everything about everything sure, right of course so i yeah. had i was like i had one little you know one job to know everything about this one thing right. and they didn't they i don't get to know everything about what's going on in China operations or Russia operations. Right. I could tell you all about the Taliban, but I don't know <laughs> what's going on over there. Yeah. And they do that because, you know, if you get picked up and you start spilling the beans, they want you to not be able to like completely. Yeah. You don't want to know everything. Mess up yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You're the thumb drive that has every, right. every secret that we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. They, so it's very compartmentalized that you have to have special clearances to read into each program. Sure. Okay. You have to have a need to know. So why, why did you get out of the, of the CIA? There you go. I was so burnt out to be honest, like so burnt out. I had worked like, I mean, I went through it. Like I did Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and I tried to do like more of like the traditional FI collection. So foreign intelligence collection work where it's like more of like a long-term thing operation where you're looking at hard target areas like China or Russia or North Korea, and you're, you're looking for penetrations, but, um, and by that, I mean like sources of the net of the foreign government or terrorist network, you're working on that for years. And that pace of operations was so much slower that I just didn't have the patience for it after counterterrorism operations. Like it right. was kind of like a drug. And I yep. was like, man, like I knew, like, I was like, Hey, here's this operational lead. Here's the guy go get him here. Blah, blah, blah. And so it was, it's kind of like addictive. And so once, so it's hard to transition to something more long-term. Sure, sure. Um, you get you get burnt out from all the adrenaline of the fast paced thing, but then this yeah. the slower paced thing doesn't doesn't live up to it. So yeah, like I tried to do that, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going back to counterterrorism. So I so then um so yeah, my last assignment was in Afghanistan, Pakistan division, and I had had my second child then, and it just, my um two of my colleagues um died in the coast bombings. I don't know if mm. you know of it. it's like um. The, in Afghanistan, there was a suicide bomber that posed as a source okay. and he drove up to the base. They didn't do a thorough pat down when he was going through um, security and um, he, he blew up seven CIA officers and I worked okay. with two of them. Okay. So I, I recognize that, that little story from the book. Yes. Yep. 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 So I did weave that in there on yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um. So my, my colleague I worked with, um, he had a little girl at the time and he and I worked together in Jordan and he was like, Brittany, I'm just, I looked up to him so much. Like he was an amazing case officer and I was pretty new to the game. And I'm like, gosh, like you got to teach me how you do this, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, don't look up to me. Like I'm a horrible father. I'm a horrible husband. Like, and that's what really matters. And yeah. like, if you get the opportunity to leave, you should do it because yeah. It'll just suck the life out of you. And I really did feel like that toward the end of my time there. I was really sick. I was pregnant again. I was just like totally drained. I was just, I, it just, it did. It sucked the life out of me. Um, yeah. I but, can't imagine going to work where, where your life is in danger. I mean, probably not every day, but a, a lot yeah, of days. Part, yeah. yeah. 
Where yeah. when you know you have children and a husband at home, it's got to be just a crazy difficult thing to you. do. It's got to pull on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the chief of base at that that base in Afghanistan, um, you know, where every everyone perished, she had three children. Mm. You know, like young mm. kids, yeah. and I'm like, man, this is like a real deal thing, and I, I it just didn't hit. It just it sounds ridiculous because I just should have known. I guess like this is dangerous work. Hello. But it took that happening to really hit home. Sure, sure. And I was like, I got to really, you know, reevaluate some stuff. Was it a struggle to leave? Just knowing how much good you did behind the scenes? Um, I don't know if you ever feel like you do enough in that job. I feel like you constantly, or at least me, I always felt like there's more, I could do more. Like even watching everything that's happened with Afghanistan, I'm like, God, if I, if I just would have stayed there for a few more years, like maybe I could have made more of a difference or maybe it would be different. Um, so I think I could have stayed there for 40 years and still felt that way that, that there was unfinished business or that you didn't do enough. And I think, you know, for each person, it's different. I, I personally just couldn't juggle like being the kind of mom I wanted to be and doing that job. Yeah. And, you know, people who are able to, is like awesome. And I'm so much respect for them, but I just know that I personally couldn't do both. Sure. sure. So, so were you, there was a book in mind before you left? Or no, you left? no, not at all. Not at all. I started working for an organization called women for Afghan women. So like I said, I, I worked Afghanistan, Pakistan, and I saw the way the Taliban treated women and I was just really pissed off and I wanted to do something about it when I left. And so I started doing volunteer work and, um, the, a lot of the women I worked with there, I was just amazed by how resilient they were and powerful and they were awesome. Um, so I decided to like, I wanted to write a book, like showcasing a really powerful Arab woman and dispelling some of like the crap that's out there about what female spies are like. I wanted to write a really strong female spy who had depth and character and was interesting and had sex, but sex was substance. Like yeah. I just wanted to kind of like, you know, portray them how they really are. And we're not these women who just like sell our bodies to like get information. Like we right. have brains and tradecraft and stuff. For sure. Yeah. I was, I was so captivated by this because I, you know, I, I mean, I, I describe your book as like a book for people who enjoy like a James Patterson, but they want a little more intelligence because James Patterson is a really easy, simple kind of read. You can, you know, you bust it out on the beach. You don't even have to, this, you got to be involved. You know, you, you yeah. might even want to pad a paper. And I have to ask you, how in the hell <laughs> do you keep all the fucking names straight? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh gosh, I'm just you so to take used to them. The CIA for- I know, I'm so used to them. I, I don't know. Like, it's funny. I'll meet like, um, you know, like Veronica or Samantha. And I'm like, I can't remember their names <laughs> at all. And now, and but you give me like a Mohammed Aziz Abdul Abdak Baghdadi, and I'm like, oh, I remember it forever. I do not know. Wow. I think I was just conditioned, you know, like learning yeah. their names and everything. But even that, then on top of that, like how do like the correlation and and how the name goes with how they're related to this person and this person? Because yeah. you talk in the book about like the family name and the father's name, and it, yeah. yeah, can you can you go over that a little bit? Like what how sure. it all goes together? Yeah, sure, sure. So. Abu, so there's, they, they go by things called kunyas sometimes. Like when they have their first child, they'll go by an honorific or a kunya. And Abu means father of. And so say a guy's name is Abu Muhammad, father of Muhammad, which is like probably his firstborn son. Okay. Abu Muhammad al-Baghdadi would be, I'm from Baghdad and my I'm the father of Muhammad. So, but that's not their real name. Right, that's a kunya. Oh, so the real name ha- does not have Abu in it. The real name has is like um, Abdulaziz is like a true name. Okay. Well. So wow, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that, and so it makes hunting terrorists really confusing, right? Because they don't go by their true name, and so half of your job, half of my job, whenever I was there, was you know, tracking down their true identity, right? Because it's really hard to know if you nab the right guy. If you're go- There's a lot of Abu Muhammad's out there. Um, <laughs> I don't want to laugh at it, but you're, yeah. I right. Mean, to to yeah. common yeah. folks like us, yeah, you're right. We're like, how do you, that's amazing. How do you know? Keep it straight, yeah. And I mean, we had some like legitimate problems with the terrorist watch list for that reason, because, so I worked on the terrorist watch list for a while and they would tell you like, if there's, um, bomb and Mohammed, like in the same Intel report to highlight it. And that could qualify as a potential reason to go on the terrorist watch list. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's, it just, that's why we uh, frankly wrapped up the wrong guys a lot of times Sure, sure, because we didn't really get that right. So by the time I got there, we were doing it right. And so they're like, you got to learn that Arabic naming conventions and all that. I feel like you need a master level master degree for that, for that. For that. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a lot easier than you think. It, yeah. it really is. It's yeah, I suppose not- it's like any language. Once you start speaking, I mean, it's like speaking right. a foreign language almost. And once yeah. you start to speak it. Yeah. So uh, on that same line, what, what is the term that, that Graham calls Juliet, like the term of affection? Oh yeah. Muharra. Muharrab. Okay. Is that, what is the meaning of that? That means warrior. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. And he does. Yeah. Now that you say he does say that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. So was that a key part? What came first, the story or naming your character to say, now I'm going to write about Juliet. This story. Cause I, she's been called lots of different things. She used to be called Colette in earlier version. I've called her many different things. Um, it, the story has really evolved over time and what I want, the story I wanted to tell. So I, when I first started writing, I didn't know how to write. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was kind of practice just to start, <clears throat> excuse me, like just get a draft out on paper and see and, and, and figure out what my, 
my style is and how I like to structure things. And initially I didn't do any structuring, no outlining and just wrote. Okay. And it was a disaster. <laughs> it was like, I was writing about space. I love Star Wars. So I was like kind of trying to write this new like Star Wars thing. And like I was bringing in spying and all this stuff. And so I had this really smart editor at Random House. And she was like, why don't you write about what you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know, spy stuff. Why don't you just stick with that and yeah. don't overcomplicate? Because I think I was trying to do too many things. And she was really, she was right. Yeah. I just needed to like hone in on my story and outline, outline, outline is key. Um, Cause you know, in writing novels, it's, it's difficult because you're, you're structured, you have to structure the characters and everything. They have to kind of have this character arc where they go through some kind of development right? and yep. then it has to mirror with the plot and the climax, climax and everything. It's just, it's involved. Yeah. Well, I, I can't imagine. And, yeah. but there's said to have been something there for them to say, yeah, it's a lot. It's a mess. We yeah. still want to sign you. Yeah. 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 I guess I'm a good writer. <laughs> and I, I do think a lot of people assume that when they're reading a novel that the that the author just sat down and started typing and that's what right. came out, you know? No, but- I mean, it, I think I compare it to Intel operations because like you see on movies and TV shows, like it's just like James Bond, just one guy or one girl like saving the world. While in reality at CIA, it's like this whole group of committed people who all have their specialty. You've got one guy who's like, knows the tech gear and one mm-hmm. guy who knows everything about the terrain, the geospatial analyst, you've got a SIGINT analyst who understands, you know, the phones and the emails and how to intercept all that. And they're all working together to achieve something. Same thing with writing a book. Yeah. You've got a really great editor. You've got a really good copy editor. You've got a person with the graphics for the, I mean, a lot goes into it that, yeah, it's definitely not just sitting down and you did you have any sort of writing education in your past or did you, had you done any other kind of writing or no, no. <laughs> that's awesome. No. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote uh, for the government, right? So how we write is like these cables It's called cable traffic is how we communicate with our stations and bases abroad. And I knew I was a good cable writer, um, but I didn't know I would be good at like writing novels or anything until I tried. So how long did the, how long did the process take from, from the day you had the idea until the day you handed in the final draft uh about six years oh wow okay okay yeah a long time so you have to really love your story to like yeah you gotta really be in love with your characters you gotta like be in love with the whole world that you've created because otherwise it's like a real chore and that comes through i think in the writing like for sure if somebody's not in their story like totally into it like you're like you put the book down yeah yeah so how much of how much of Juliet is Brittany? Um, well, there's a lot of what I went through. So you picked up on the fact that post-base, you know, yeah. bombing situation. So a lot of like, I think for me, writing is therapeutic. So like, it helps me process a lot of what I encountered when I was at the CIA that maybe I couldn't talk about or write about. And so through these characters, I'm able to kind of channel a lot of that. And so, yeah, I would say Juliet, um, you know, she's experiencing a lot of the same feelings that accompanied the operations I was on, but I'm not divulging what operations those were, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there was there any part of the book that you wrote and somebody said, no, nah, you can't say that. You got to change the way you say that because it reveals too much. 
No, 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 no. I'm pretty good about writing around it. I have to go. So anytime you work at CIA and you go out and you write something, you have to go through the CIA's publication review board or you're supposed to. And um, yeah, I went through that to. process and I, I was fine. Foreign policy <laughs> actually asked me to do an interview with them where um, I explained one operation that I was a part of and I had to get it approved by CIA before I talked about the operation. And I told them, I said, I really don't think they're going to approve this. I really don't. And they're like, just try, just push it, you know? So I sent it to them and they redacted the whole thing. And oh. so basically like I got on, I could get on the show. I was like, I can't do this interview guys. Like I'm going to get on the show and say, I was part of getting some bad guy. The end. Like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so um, yeah, it just depends. I've had a lot of friends that have written nonfiction books and they, they're kind of tell alls about their experiences at CIA. Right. And they have a much more difficult time. But I would imagine. Yeah. Because I'm fiction writer, I think it was a lot easier. Sure. Now I got to know about some of the idiosyncrasies of the character. Are you, the 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 scene where they're in the in the sewers and Juliet yeah. appears to be afraid of like the sound of dripping. I thought we were going to get more of that later because it's like, are, is that yeah. something with you? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Um. I'm surprised you like picked up on that. I. I'm going to probably explain that in the next book. It reminded me a lot oh, okay. of like when you're reading, I don't know if you read James Patterson at all, but like the yeah. Alex Cross novels and how they constantly go back mm -hmm. to Alex Cross being claustrophobic. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I kind of felt that there was something there. Well, that I'm was gonna, going like, to write that down to explain that in the next book, because so I was, I, I wanted to make sure that Graham wasn't super one dimensional. And so I, I think at that time in my writing, I kind of shifted to like, I needed more backstory for Graham. Sure. And so that's when like the whole, like he's afraid of fire thing came out Yep. because you know, what happened to his family. And so, but I'll explain that in the next book. <laughs> Stay yeah. tuned. All right. Well, it goes into the thing, you know, there's going to be a series, correct? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm really hoping to write more books. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm halfway through the next one. So okay, just I was just going to say, have you started to, but yeah. you're halfway through, there you go. Halfway through it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's crap right now, but it'll get better. I have to, <laughs> you know, rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. So, so out of nine years in the service, how many books do you think you have in you? Oh goodness. I mean, I could write, I love to write. So as, as long as I'm making money doing it. I'll just keep going. I'll probably yeah. keep going even if I don't make any money. Right. I just right. love it so much. If you love doing it, like like us doing this thing, yeah. you do it for free. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty much doing it for free right now. We'll see how much my sales report is when it comes in. But sure. so far, yeah. It's um it's just a pleasure to be able to do it. To to have your your work out there. I mean, you guys like your your work is out there, your yeah. voice is out there. Um, it's like really I I feel really grateful to have that opportunity. For sure. So, but you have to get out of your comfort zone. I think that's been really hard for me living this very private life where I couldn't tell anyone anything and, you know, I had to be very secretive. And now I'm like, I worked at the CIA and here's my <laughs> book. Go buy it. They know now, don't they? <laughs> they know now. <laughs> no secret there. So all the characters in the book, are they based on people that you worked with or did you have to combine a few people? Yeah, yeah. So Maryam Al-Saad is definitely based upon two different women, um, an Afghan woman I worked with at that human rights organization I talked about. And then also um, Princess Amira Al-Tawil, who mm -hmm. she married into the Saudi royal family. Um, she since has left, but she was very outspoken. Y'all sh should look her up. I mean, she's 
the most drop dead, gorgeous woman I've ever seen in my life. She, um, but she spoke out against the Saudi regime's, um, you know, banning of women driving. And she was one of the first people to like within the Saudi Royal family to ever speak out against anything this, the Saudi, you know, males did. So I really, so I created Miriam kind of based on her loosely and just awesome. kind of her it's background. Got it. That's got to be a scary thing to do in that in that world to speak out against the, you oh, know, that male dominated yeah. world. I just can't. I can't either. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> in that sense, <laughs> you tell her, hey, this is loosely based off you. Well, I don't know her personally. I mean, she's like really famous. She's oh, like OK. I thought royalty. maybe it met her, but. No, 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 no. I wish I would love to. Yeah. I would love yeah. to one day. But yeah, no, I just I admire her work. I admire what she did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she's kind of in hiding right now too. Like, <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. I think she's like, she's, yeah, she's left the Saudi Royal family and she remarried an Emirati guy. And okay. I don't think they live in the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can tell how excited we were to interview you by how much we're stepping on each other to ask questions. By oh, the way. <laughs> I really appreciate that. That makes me feel so this, good. This is not the way it always is. Sometimes we're looking at each other like, Will you please ask okay. a question? I don't have any. Well, I got it. Yeah. 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 Oh, I keep glad. looking. You're going to go. I'm going to go because uh, I got more. I got to know. Where, did you ever find yourself like in some of the situations that, that are in the book where, where Graham and Juliet are in truly life threat? Mm -hmm. You know, did you ever were you ever in a situation where you thought, fuck, this is it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I've met, um, I met my first terrorist I ever met I was very nervous um I was I I found him so he was a, a penetration of a terrorist network and as a targeting officer part of my job was to identify individuals with access to information that we wanted but then also individuals who I thought would be willing to work with us so that they they showed certain vulnerabilities that we we could either utilize or work with them to trade you know and so identified this guy and sent my operational lead out to the field and flew out to this Middle Eastern country to meet with the case officer and to meet with the source. And I was there as kind of the subject matter expert to like assess his access and see, you know, how, it, you know, if we could really run him and, and do good things. And I knew he was willing to work with us. Well, what, from what I understood, he was willing to work work for us, but I didn't know, you never know for sure until you get to that meeting, how, what, what it's really going to be like. Yeah. And if he's going to somehow smuggle something in and kill you. Yeah. So I was really nervous. I was really nervous. And it was also like the first time I had to really like establish myself with a man like that, that, you know, not only are they from this different culture, but they're from such an extremist mindset that you're like, how do I break through this? Like, yeah. how do we find common ground and to try to work to a, you know, a common objective? Uh, but fortunately I was with, you know, other, two other brilliant officers and we worked together and we, we did some great things with this source. I mean, we, we really got some bad guys and it yeah. was a very successful operation, but I didn't know, I didn't know going in there. And then, um, Another time when I, I was always on, on, you're always on edge when you're in the war zones, right. When you hear like the rockets and yeah. stuff and like, 
I was in um, Erbil, the northern part of Iraq at one point, and I was kind of staying by myself at this like house that was like removed from everything. Yeah. Just they an Airbnb have... in Iraq? It was not, <laughs> it was an Airbnb. But so I was staying, okay, so they, at the CIA base, they didn't have any more room. So this is like, this is, this is another crazy story. So they didn't have any room in the CIA base. So they were like, you're going to stay up there with, so the special forces had a house that they stayed in. Like you're going to stay up there with the special forces, but they, they go out in their night raids, right? So they're not there at night. So it was me in this gigantic house all by myself Jeez. in the middle of a rack. <laughs> and I had like my Glock and everything with me, but you you're know, trying to sleep. <laughs> Like it's yeah, you're like I, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. Oh my god! Um, so that was nerve wracking. Yeah, that's that. I'm getting a little anxiety just hearing about it. Like, no, I'm not built me for too. that. And nobody, okay. Yeah. There's, sweat, there's sweat behind my knees. So there, it, and the story behind you being up there. How did you feel being put up there with, as opposed to being? Uh, yeah. The, so, oh others. yeah, yeah, yeah. This story came out that um, I said, "Why, why'd you guys put me up here? Like, what's the deal? Like, I want to be a base with everybody else." And he said, "Well, you, your TDY here, your young, young gal. All the young gals like to be up there with the special forces guys for extracurriculars." Uh, <laughs> well, I guess. And I was uh... like, "Well, not me. I'm like engaged. I like actually like love this guy. Like, I'm just here to do my job." I don't want to fuck around. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. Well, maybe we could find you a room. <laughs> oh my God. So you mentioned oh, the, uh, the hell <laughs> you, you mentioned writing the, the sex scenes earlier. And I got, I got to say you're, you, yeah. uh, you're a good writer of sex scenes. They were. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah it, it I've had some really good feedback about those. Yeah. I was telling my girlfriend when I was reading it, I'm like, you're going to have to read this because. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I like to read. So I like, I, I wrote what I like to read. Yeah. I like oh. romance and adventure and scary shit, but then I also like sex too. So it's yeah. like, let's just bring it together. And... When you did a good job of making it real and not <clears throat> corny, you know, it's hard. I know it's hard to like sex that, scenes can be corny yeah. and, you know, like, and not too much. Yeah. You didn't good. continue to continue on. Yeah. It was, right. Just the right amount. Right. Good, 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 good. When I feel like it was like a good break with all the action and stuff, like you need like a little bit of a break in there, yep. yeah. but not, you don't want it to lull too much. Well, and it helped and it helped build the bond because, yeah. you know, I mean, She's going from one to another. So, you right. know, I mean, not quickly. I mean, there's that seven month break right. in there, but right. you're like, you need, so it was good. moving on. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was good to yeah. build that bond between the characters. So yeah. Exactly. You know. Did you feel you needed that to make her more human? Uh, yeah. Cause that's part of life, right? That's part of, <clears throat> and honestly, it's a big part of Intel operations in the sense that like that whole conversation she had about needing it to break free of like the the pain and the chaos and yeah. i think sometimes that's what For happens sure. in these war zone situations is like it's just <clears throat> excuse me it's too much to process that you really need to just like kind of back away and just you know be held or have a beer or whatever <laughs> yeah we're humans yeah. human connection absolutely human connection of yeah we're yeah. humans yeah. we need right. to slow down we need to like we need love we need all these things yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So as far as like um, <laughs> how Hollywood portrays kind of the CIA and, and females in the CIA, I'm, I'm a big fan of the show Homeland. 
And I'm, oh, uh, okay. I'm curious yeah. if you, you watched it and, and what is yeah, it? Yeah. How real I, is it kind of? Yeah. <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. Okay. Um, that was like a, a good motivator for me to get out there and write this book, honestly, because she like sleeps with her terrorists. Yeah, and like yep. that's her baby, has his baby. Yeah, yeah. So like dedicated <laughs> to the job. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what is this? Yeah. Um, so I felt like I needed to like change that narrative, change that perspective. Sure, sure. So yeah. I apologize, guys. I like have something in my throat. That's I need, right. like water. So give me give me a second. Yeah, not, no a problem, problem. not a problem. And I and I never watched Homeland, so I I can't compare, but I've heard it was I, I've heard great things that it was a great show. So other than that, is there any movie out there portraying that you're like, that's, they got it. Yeah. Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty. Oh yeah. Great movie. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. I think they did a great job. And honestly, it was so accurate that I was like, who told on people? <laughs> like yeah. I knew they did some polygraph interviews, like after that movie came out, like trying to figure out like, wow. Oh, oh wow. somebody like spilled the beans. They were trying to figure out. Oh, really? That's interesting. That is wow. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah. I do have it, so it of, is a great movie. Of yeah. course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. So can we have a little fun before we let you go? Sure. I just want to ask. My, I I had one fun, and now that I heard you explain the CIA, you're gonna be like, I don't know anything about that, but that's okay. I guess. Okay. Kind of, are are UFOs real? Oh my gosh, what an interesting <laughs> question. Um, you know what's funny? I asked. Okay, so I told you when I first worked at CIA, I worked with these old dudes that like. I've been there since the fifties and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, there's no area 51. Right. And they were like, they like kind of paused. <laughs> They're so, like, sure. <laughs> I don't know that there's an area 51, but like, I felt like the pause there might, I don't know. There I might mean, be something there. Obviously our I government is starting like to lean a little more towards well, distraction that they are real, but yeah. It, right. Is it yeah. a distraction? Is it, I don't know, but so is it, do you feel like when they answered you back then, was it a, well, she's one of us, I can tell her, or she's too new yet to actually tell her? Again, so we have to sign all these NDAs. Um, every time you're read into like a new security program. So like, say I'm moving from like China operations to Pakistan, Afghanistan operations. Well, I have to sign something that says, I'm never going to tell anybody mm. about what happened in that division. When yeah. I'm at that division. So, I mean, it does happen. I mean, stories do get out. Sure. But, um, I, you know, pe people are pretty tight lipped there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the old school folks. They do not talk. You won't see them writing a tell all book. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they were really serious. I mean, people like their wives didn't know they were in. And, oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of that has changed, but like, there were dudes that like they did not tell their wives. Their kids didn't know. They were traveling encyclopedia wow. salesmen. <laughs> yeah. Like they had these, they had really good cover stories and they just lived their cover and yeah. Never I think told that's the best traveling salesman. That's you right. know, a big one. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. gotta go. <laughs> they need the encyclopedias. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I know I, I saw a couple of your clips about uh uh how to tell someone lying. So if we okay. did a did a fun clip of if you asked us some questions, could you tell if we're lying? And then like we'll intentionally maybe lie on a few questions 
answers and not. Okay. Oh, and wait. Then... Okay. So you want to test me? Well, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I did shit. Not... Sorry. Guys, it's eight o'clock. I actually have another interview. Okay. At eight so I'm no so problem. sorry. I have to jump off, but this has been so fun. Okay. Well, thank you for, I yeah, really thank appreciate you for joining your time. us. We love thank the book you. and we will make sure to promote the heck out of yes. it. And uh, when you write the second one, I hope we can talk you into coming back. It wasn't Absolutely. a test. You were to have fun. It wasn't. A yes. Test. No, I had a great time. Thank you. And I, I didn't feel uncomfortable drinking my wine. I didn't, I had no idea you guys drank on this. Yeah, and I'm yeah. so glad you did because I could have my wine and feel Absolutely. comfortable about it. All right. Thank you. Enjoy so the next interview. If you, yeah. Do you want to promote it? I know, it right? I have to go, go for another glass of wine before I get on the next one. So do you want to, you do you want to promote it all before you go? Tell them where to yes, find you. Yes. Yes, I do. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Ah, where'd you go? Where'd you go? You got it all for, yep. All planned out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the Syndicate Spy is available everywhere. Buy it. It's great. Right, guys? That great. is actually very good. It's four, great. Four and thumbs you'll up. Be You'll, you'll be so entertained and you'll have so much fun and go get it right now and leave a review. If you guys can leave a review, that would be awesome. Will do. Will Any do. specific specific place to leave a review that Amazon. means the most? Amazon? Amazon. Okay. And find leave you on it. Instagram at former spy one. Yes, former spy, the number one. I'll talk all about my CIA experiences and ask me a question there and I'll, I'll try to do my best to answer it. Awesome. Thank you so much Thanks for again. We, for joining you. Guys, really appreciate have it. a good night. You as well. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. The tavern is closed for now, but we'd love to have you back for more fun next time. Seriously, though, get your asses out of here. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.